All right, well, if you'll open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to finish up our series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Recalculating. And for those of you who might be just joining us or for those of you that, like me, need to hear it a few times, here's a recap. Um, the idea of this series was, that, you know, life is like a journey, and on this journey, from time to time, we will, we will get off track. We may take a detour. We may miss a turn. Um, and it's important in those moments for us to just kind of stop, pump the brakes, pull off to the side of the road, and recalculate, reconsider, reevaluate where we're at in life, the decisions we're making, and hopefully get back on that path. And so I've enjoyed this series. Hopefully you have as well. We've talked about a lot of things that I feel like are relevant and important in our lives um, the very beginning, we started with the main idea. What's the end goal in this journey of life? And, you know, we can put a lot of things on a refrigerator at the beginning of a new year, as those New Year's resolutions. And we say, I'm going to try to follow all these. But we talked about in week number one that if we just made it our primary goal to say love God and to love people. And that's the biggest commands, right? If we love God and love people, then a lot of these other things that we try to accomplish in life, I think they would fall into place. And so that was week number one. And the second week, we talked about our plans and God's will. And every one of us make plans. And, the, and the, the thing I said then was that it would be foolish of us as believers, knowing that God's in control of all things, it would be foolish of us to go through life making plans without including God in those plans. Um, and so we talked about how important it is for us to make sure that in this journey of life that sometimes the plans change because we're not even on God's plan. And so it's important for us to know that our, our plans and God's will align together. And the following week, we talked about guidance and obedience. God is a great guide. Um, he knows where he's taking us, and he can be trusted. On his part, he's excellent. He's got a great track record. But our part is the obedience part. How many know we don't always get that right? And so we're going through this journey of life, and God is our guide. And sometimes he closes doors. Sometimes he opens doors. There's a specific guidance from time to time. And he just says, hey, when you're walking this way, I'll tell you go left. I'll tell you go right. And so the idea then was we should trust him as a, a faithful, trustworthy guide, and we should obey him following his instructions, right? Guidance and obedience. And the last week we talked about how we see ourselves, how we view ourselves. That is our self-esteem. And some have a really high self-esteem, like so much so that it's almost dangerous, getting that pride, arrogance category. And as I mentioned last week, where I stay most of the time and is on the other end of that spectrum, and it's a low self-esteem, how I view myself, and it's always questioning and always wondering, like, why am I the way I am? And so we talked about having a healthy self-esteem, how we view ourselves is how God sees us, and our self-esteem needs to be a Christ-centered self-esteem. Um, and so today, I want to talk to you about something I think every one of us in this room will struggle with from time to time. Maybe you're struggling with it today. We're going to talk for a few moments about doubt. The title of the message is When Doubt Creeps In. When doubt creeps in, and we're going to look at that and how it re relates to our faith journey, especially when plans change. Because how many of you know plans change? All right, let me ask you a question. Has doubt ever crept into your life, into your mind? Have you ever dealt with doubt? Um, I have in ministry. I remember I was sharing with the first service that when we went to Liberal Kansas, I had led worship uh, for uh, six years here in Canyon and had what I felt like was a successful, not arrogantly, but just God was blessing a music ministry, and it was all great. And then the season came for us to move to Kansas. And I remember we prayed, we fasted, we sought counsel. We were just asking God for his direction in our life, his guidance. And so we took a step of faith, and we moved to Liberal Kansas. And, and the time that we were there, the short amount of time there, I had like five different job offers to go to different places, California and other places in Kansas, Oklahoma, and even back in Texas. And I wasn't seeing some of the results that I had seen previously in ministry. And I found myself 
because the, the plans had changed a little bit, I found myself in a season of doubt. I remember asking God, God, did I miss you? Did, did you want me to walk through this door or did I, was I supposed to be in California? Or was I supposed to be over in Texas or Oklahoma? I just remember how hard that was for me going through that season when that doubt crept into my life. And that was in ministry. That was asking God for direction, getting wise counsel, and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to do that initially. Maybe you've been the same way. You start off this faith journey and you've got some things that you just know that you know that you know. You're convinced that, hey, I've got this truth and I'm holding on to it. And then something happens in life, a sickness a loss of a job, a divorce, something big happens in life. And, you know, this journey that you're on, you start questioning, all right, what's going on? Now, I was confident over here, and all of a sudden I'm starting to second-guess things. And, you know, I hear that God loves me, and I believe God loves me. But right now I don't feel like he lo- Maybe he loves them, but I don't know if he loves me. Or you're going through a hardship in life, and you're saying, God, I know that you said you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me, but I feel alone right now. And so you question So I think every one of us understand this idea of dealing with and struggling with doubt from time to time. Now, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I consider the word doubt, I always just thought it was the opposite of faith, right? You either believe God or you don't. It's I have faith in God or I don't have faith in God. But I want to kind of give us a, a, a fresh picture, if you will, or idea of what this doubt really is. And let me begin with the definition of doubt. It says to be uncertain about. So when you're not certain about something, you're in doubt, you're uncertain about it, you consider questionable or unlikely, Um, you hesitate to believe or to distrust or to regard with suspicion. And so when doubt creeps in, here's the reality, we come to our faith with these preconceived conclusions, right? I'm coming to God and I trust that he's got me and I've got this preconceived conclusion of how things should work out. And the reality is, is doubt can be produced in our hearts and our minds whenever we experience change, change being what we had already determined was the conclusion, how it was all going to work out, right? So we expect that things are going to work out one way, and something happens that causes change that makes us second-guess everything when doubt creeps in. Uh, there's a, 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 per, a person in the Bible, we've looked at this guy before, but um, in chapter 11, we look at John the Baptist. And I love this because John is not just an average dude. This is not just one of the disciples that was kind of back and forth all the time, you know, where Jesus was rebuking them, but this is John. And Jesus um, speaks of John just a little bit later, and he says, of all the people who've ever lived, there's no one greater than John. And so John the Baptist in this text here is in prison, and he experiences a little bit of that uncertainty, a little bit of doubt. Now, let me tell you what I don't believe he was doubting. I don't believe he was doubting God. I don't believe he was doubting the the prophecies about the coming Messiah, but I do believe maybe he was doubting the methods. His plans, his expectations weren't coming to to pass what he expected to happen, and all of a sudden he's experiencing some hardships in his own life, and he's questioning. And so that's the text of what we're going to look at today. So let's go ahead and read the text quickly, um, and then we'll come back, and I'm going to give you another fresh definition, if you will, of doubt. Chapter 11, it says, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions, so chapter 10, he's given instructions to the disciples. It says, to the 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. It says in verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, so back up, why was he in prison? He was in prison early on, right after the baptism of Jesus, not long after that. John was kind of one of the first Turner Burn preachers. He was preaching about righteousness and judgment and God's expectation. And so Herod Agrippa had married his brother's wife. 
which was unlawful in scriptures. And John just told him, what you're doing is unlawful. It's not right. So he called him out. He called out his sin. And because of that, um, he was thrown into prison. And he would stay in prison. He would die in prison. And so at this point in the context, he's probably been in prison close to two years now, right? And so while he's in prison, he's hearing about Jesus and what Jesus is doing. I said we'd read it. I'm sorry, the ADD kicked in, and I just felt like I needed to kind of clarify a couple of things. So what was going on? What was he hearing about? Well, chapters 8 through 10, or 8 and 9, it talks about all the things that Jesus had been doing. And, then, and Jesus was demonstrating his power in multitudes of ways. So he was demonstrating his power over disease early in chapter 8. Later in chapter 8, he was demonstrating his power over nature. And then he was demonstrating his power over Satan, over sin, his power over death, his power over darkness, and his power over demons. And in chapter 10, he says, okay, now I'm going to give you authority and send you out with that same power. Go out, heal the sick, raise the dead. So John's hearing about all these things that Jesus is doing, and John's in prison. Now, John's expectation of the Messiah was a little different than what was going on, and so um, he sends some disciples back to verse 2. He says, John the Baptist was in prison. He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? There's the doubt. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? He's not questioning God. He's not questioning the prophecies about the Messiah. But because his plans, what he had expected of the Messiah, looked different than what he had made up in his mind, he's starting to question, okay, is he just another forerunner? Is he just another New Testament prophet and the Messiah is still to come? Are you the Messiah, the chosen one, or should we look for someone else? There's his doubt. Verse 4 says, Jesus told them, go back and to John, and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. All right, so John is in prison. John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, Luke, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that you know, he's the forerunner of Jesus. He was born before Jesus. And even while he was in his mother's womb, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His parents raised him as a Nazarite, one of the most strictest um, vows that you could have. And so this was a righteous dude. And his message was on point. He comes out of the wilderness looking rough. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. God's kingdom's coming. You guys need to get ready. Prepare the way. And he says, even now, the judgment or the acts of God's judgment is at the root. And he's ready to just bring judgment. He's going to do away with sin. He's going to establish his kingdom. That was John's expectation. And John is hearing news that Jesus is showing mercy to people. He's showing grace to them. He's opening their eyes. He's healing them. He's doing all these things. And, and so John, for a moment, is just kind of confused, undecided, or uncertain about who Jesus was. And so I'll give you the definition of one. That's the Webster's definition. In the Bible, the word doubt is translated from a several different Greek words, but just in those contexts, one time when Peter was getting out of the boat and Jesus said, why did you doubt me? In that context, what he was meaning is, why do you lack the confidence? 
Not, not believe, but why did you just lack the confidence to get out of the boat and trust me? Another time whenever um, Jesus said, if you have faith and no, and no doubt, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. In that context, the word, um, the Greek word is translated, and it means to hesitate. It's like, what? If you don't hesitate, like just mountain, be thrown into the sea, you can do some powerful things. Another time after Jesus had raised from the grave, um, he appears to his disciples, and his disciples, knowing what had happened, right? They, they saw Jesus get arrested. They saw him crucified, right? And so they knew that Jesus had died. He was buried in a tomb. And so in this case, Jesus shows up and he says, um, why did you doubt, right? Don't doubt, but have faith. In that area, it means to consider unlikely, especially as a thought of logical, say logical, <laughs> deliberation. So they're like going, hey, listen, I know how this thing works. Somebody kills you, you're dead, right? And so logically speaking, you shouldn't be standing in front of us right now. And so the word doubt there, here's what I want you to see. It's not necessarily the opposite of faith. I have faith or I have doubt, but I would suggest to you that the opposite of, of belief is unbelief and doubt is that that's in between, okay? So, so let me give you a word picture that kind of helped me understand it a little bit better, but throw that picture up for me, please. All right, so on one side, you have this word doubt and it means to believe. Let me give you um, kind of the origins of the word, the old English word that comes from the Latin word uh, dubitare, which is rooted in an Aryan word that means to, say to, to like as in T-W-O, to. So the idea is for those who believe in one mind, they're saying, I believe, I'm absolutely in the belief category. And then yet there are others that in one mind, they're over here and they say, I don't believe, it's disbelief. To disbelieve is in one mind. And so doubt is when you're kind of straddling both minds, both thoughts, the two, right? It's to waver back and forth between the two. I believe, I don't believe. That's doubt, okay? Now, I would suggest to you that every person on the planet, every believer especially, is going to at some point deal with doubt. Now, here's some misconceptions about doubt. Some will say that Christians don't have doubt. <laughs> Wrong. Others would say mature Christians are true. You know how the, the spiritual elite will say, well, real Christians wouldn't doubt. No, real Christians doubt. Others would say um, that Christian doubt is always bad. And I would say, no, it's not. It's not always bad. Doubt just sim simply means that we're kind of between two opinions. We're analyzing. We're thinking about something. And we're going, okay, I, I, I want to believe here, but this happened in my life. And the plans changed. And now I find myself doubting or second-guessing. And so I'm just in a, a season of doubt. Doubt has crept in. All right? So when doubt creeps in, um, it's important that we don't stay there but that we push through it. I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but one proverb says, when you have doubt, it's like having one foot in a canoe and one other foot in a boat. You're going to fall in the river. So doubt is not a safe place to be. In fact, Satan uses doubt a lot of times to discourage, discourage us in our faith or to get us to just full on jump into that other head of disbelief, right? It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. What happened there? The, the fall of man. Satan appears as a serpent. Right? And Jesus, our God, had said, don't eat uh, the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan shows up and he says, did God really say that? He just plants that little seed of doubt to question Eve. Eve answers in the affirmative, yes, God did say, don't do that or you surely die. And he responds with an even deeper seed, if you will. He says, you won't, you won't die. Come on, he's not going to kill you. And so he wants to plant that seed of doubt. And what I want us to know is it's so easy for those seeds to be planted. In fact, I did a little test yesterday. This theory. 
So Luke Earlbeck, he was in the first service, but we put a stereo in his truck yesterday. And so I want to teach him how to do, you know, the wiring, the harness up. And I get my solder and iron out, and I say, all right, Luke, here's what you're going to do. And, and so we start soldering the wires together. All right, good job. Just repeat that and just keep going, color for color. And he's going, and he's soldering, and he's just acting like he's got it all figured out. And then I just walk up to him, and I say, hey, are you sure you're doing that right? And he just stops and looks up like, oh, no. That easy to plant that seed of doubt. And so for just a simple moment, he was like, oh, I'm confident. I got this thing figured out. And now he's like, I'm uncertain now about my ability to do what you just told me and showed me how to do. That's how easy we can slip into doubt. So it happens with John. John's in prison, and he has these expectations of what the Messiah would be like. And when he sees that Jesus is not fulfilling his expectations, that doubt begins to be produced in his mind. And so with that, he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus uh, the question. Now here's some encouragement. We're in good company. If you ever experience doubt, just know that some spiritual greats throughout Scripture have experienced doubt as well. Amen? You're not messed up. We all are going to have these seasons of doubt. The important thing is when we have the doubt, I could, I could preach this message in five words. Are you ready? I won't do that because we need to spend a little bit of time this morning together looking into God's word, but in five words. Here we go. Ready? When in doubt, get out. Pretty easy, isn't it? When in doubt, get out. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Arachnophobia. Right? I hate those things. I'm not scared of them, but here's, here's what I had at my house last year. Last year, um, or it was late in the summer, fall, or somewhere in there, that the spiders were just going overtime on my back porch building webs. And I would walk in at dark, and everything's clear and fine, but those little suckers are in all the little nooks and crannies and cracks, and they come out, and they start weaving a web. And they're not putting it over there where I can go, oh, that's cute. That's pretty like Charlotte's message to the pig and all that stuff. It was just right in the walkway. And so I'm not paying attention. I'm walking out half asleep, coffee in hand, and I run into a spider web. I'm an expert at judo at that moment. You know what I'm saying? I hate walking into a spider web. And that's the, the imagery I get when I think about doubt. When, we, when the doubt creeps in, imagine it's like a big spider web that that spider has, has spun and woven all night, and it just wants to get you stuck there. And the point I want to make is what do you do when you run into a spider web after the judo? You push through it, right? Are you with me this morning? So you push through it. And so my challenge to us is like, if you find yourself there, push through those seasons of doubt. And here's another thing. If you don't get anything else, hear this one statement. Never give up what you know for what you don't know. Let me say it again. Never give up what you know for what you don't know. Never give up what you know to be truth, right, in the belief category. Never give up what you've already established in your life is true, for what you don't know. Because sometimes the doubts that we wrestle with is the unknown. We don't know those things. And if we're not careful, we get hung up in that web and we'll allow those things to mull over in our minds and we can start walking away from some of the things that we've held on to as truth for years. I've seen it happen. People that have a solid faith and you, you see them a few years later and they're like, I don't even believe that anymore. Like, what happened? Like somebody came along, planted a seed of doubt. I don't know. And they just kind of hung on to that for a while and they just kind of began to no longer believe those truths and I just think it's a dangerous place to be so I would say this we're going to experience doubt from time to time especially when the plans change because in this journey called life here we are God we trust that you're guiding us right and we say this God I want you to guide me Jesus take the will right but here's what happens we get offended or mad when things don't go the way we thought or hoped 
that they would go. So what we're saying is, Jesus, I really want the wheel. Right? I want you to guide me, but give me the steering wheel. The reality is he's the one that's in control. He's guiding us. And when plans change, the opportunity for that doubt to creep in is there. But for us, it's important not to stay or get stuck there, but to push through it. When in doubt, get out. Amen? And we see this with John. John didn't just stay there. He could have easily just accepted his lot in life and said, hey, I'm in prison. I guess I missed this. Maybe Jesus wasn't the Messiah, and we're not to look for anyone else. I'm just in jail we're done, end of story. But he didn't stay stuck there when he encountered that season of doubt. When, he, when that doubt crept in, he immediately went to work. And it says he calls his disciples to him and said, hey, go to Jesus. That's important. I think that's also something that we need to keep in mind when we experience doubt. We don't forget what we've known all our lives is truth and reject that for the unknown. We also go back to the source, ask Jesus, Right? We return to the things that we know are true. It's amazing to me how we can be going through a funk. We can go through a season of doubt. You know, something has happened and we're questioning, you know, like, God, I know you said you love me, but I don't feel loved right now. And, you know, I mentioned that a little ago. I just, I know that you care, but right now I feel all alone. And, and so you're wavering between two opinions. Do I believe or do I not believe that God's in control? When it comes to this doubt, I think that we process it, we push through it, but then we go back to the truths that we know, uh, that we've known and believed in our whole lives. And so there's power in returning to the Word of God. And in verses that we know, just by memory, go back and say, God, your Word says, if you're for me, who can be against me? Your word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Your word says that I've been made righteous by the blood of Christ. Your word says that I've been justified through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your word says that you love me. In fact, you proved it so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross while I was still a sin. Those are truths, amen? And so you return to the word. That's like asking Jesus, hey, I'm struggling right now in this season of doubt, and I just need you to speak some truth back into my life. Can I tell you, I'm thankful at this point for Google there. Because back in the day, I had this Bible promise book, what to do when you feel blah, lonely, sad, depressed. And you turn to that little chapter, and, and there were verses there that helped you. You can just get on Google and say, hey, man, what do, what do I do when I'm having doubts as a Christian? You've got you to qualify that because we get some weird answers. I'm just telling you. It is Google. But I'm thankful that we have these tools and these resources that can quickly point us back to the truths in God's word. And there's just power in that. Like James, or excuse me, John sent his disciples back to Jesus and said, all right, go ask Jesus a question. I need to clarify. I need some reassurance that, 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 that I'm not off track here. I, I believe what the scripture said. Isaiah said he was going to heal. He's going to open the blind eyes. He's going to raise those from the dead. But it also says he's going to set the captives free. Hello, I am captive in prison right now. And I want out. And it'd be easy for John to say, if I'm the forerunner of Christ, I'm the one that's going to prepare the way of the Lord. I'm in prison. I need to be out of this place. Right? His expectation of who Messiah was versus what he was personally experienced gave him the opportunity for, for doubt to creep into his life. But he didn't stay there. He pushes through it. He sends his disciples to Jesus, the source, and says, are you the one? And Jesus, I love this, he doesn't say no or yes. It would have been easier, I'm thinking I'm putting myself in John's position, just ask Jesus, is the Messiah? Go back and tell Shane, yes, he's the Messiah. All right, good. But what he does instead is he said, all right, go back and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. Right? The disciples were seeing his power demonstrated over disease, nature, Satan, sin, death, darkness, demons. Go back, tell him what you've seen and what you have heard. And here's what that's going to do. 
for John, who knew the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, it's going to remind him of that category over there, that one mind where he says, I know what God's word said about Messiah. Right? No doubt that when the Messiah comes, he's going to open the blind. See, he just had his timeline different than what Messiah did. Jesus has a plan, and that plan is going to be fulfilled, right? God has a plan ultimately, and that plan is going to be fulfilled. But sometimes our expectation of how he's going to do it doesn't line up with his plan. And and in those moments, if we're not careful, that doubt can creep in. Amen? And if you stay there, it's like being stuck in a spider web. And the longer you're there, I think the funkier it gets. And so my challenge to each one of us is when we experience those seasons of doubt, to see it as wavering back and forth between two opinions. In fact, that's what James says. If you need wisdom, come, get, come to God who gives liberally to all people who ask. He says, but when you ask, do it without doubt. Because a man who doubts, a man who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed back and forth, to and fro. And that's what doubt is, isn't it? Hovering between two opinions. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the prophets says, Why do you, how long will you waver between two opinions? That wavering there is a picture, I think, of doubt. One mind says one thing, that's God. and One mind says, no, it's not God. And he says, choose whom you will serve. I think it was Joshua. How long will you waver between doubt and unbelief? And so a doubt is a real. All of us can experience it. John must have thought, if the Messiah is the forerunner, if I'm the forerunner of the Messiah, why am I in prison? He needed reassurance, clarification. He expected the Messiah to overcome the wickedness, to judge the sin, to bring his kingdom. And it simply wasn't happening. He's in prison and doubt creeps in. So don't stay there. Push through, and I would say this also, don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. Those seasons when God is just showing you truth and showing you truth and you're hanging onto it, and you will go through darkness, so don't doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. Never, ever let go of what you know to be true for what is not true or what you don't know. Ask Jesus. John MacArthur says, when God is allowed to speak to his word, doubt vanishes like mist in the sunlight. I love that. When God is allowed to speak through his word, how many know he speaks to us through his word? His word is truth. And when we get into his word and we go back to him and like, God, I need you to dump some truth into my life right now. And when he's allowed to do that, to speak to us through his word, that doubt begins to vanish or fade away like mist in the sunlight. So I would say, ask Jesus. And lastly, I think this is important, don't be offended at God. Jesus finishes that by saying, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. The word there is scandalizo. And that word simply means to be offended. It means a stumbling or a falling away, but it's someone who's filled with disgust for someone, and therefore they reject that person. And he's saying, blessed are those who don't get offended at me because things didn't go the way you planned them, and the plans change. Blessed are those who don't get offended and fall away because of me. I think John needed that reminder, and I think we needed that reminder as well, because the reality is we're walking through this thing called life, and plans change. They do. Sometimes we're not even on the right plans, and we have to make sure our will lines up with God's, or our plans line up with God's will. Sometimes God just changes the plan, says, hey, don't go there. Go here. Open this door. Close this door. We have to be sensitive to his guidance and obedience, right? We have to trust him. Sometimes the plans change because we make the mistake. We blow it. And we have to, you know what, it's not fatal, but we have to learn from that and move forward. But I think that sometimes we allow doubt to creep in and we just let it hang out there. Like a spider just keeps weaving that web of doubt. And I just think that's a 
the devil's playground. In fact, I've had people in the hospital and I'd say to them, hey, listen, we say we walk by faith. We trust God, right? And it's in these moments when you're sick, you're hooked up to all these you know, leads and, and lines and ventilators and heart stuff, and it's easy for the devil to start playing with your mind. And you start second guessing. It's, all right, God, do you know what I'm going through? God, are you really my healer? Do I really trust you? Do I really rely on you for um, healing me and, and, and recovering me? I think it's a playground for the devil. And so I, I just want us to know that while doubt, or experiencing seasons of doubt is not wrong in and of itself, it can be used to help us grow even further in our faith. So utilize it, right? Don't, don't feel bad if you experience doubt. Like you must be some minor Christian. That The Bible is filled with people who struggle with doubt. So we're in great company. John the Baptist, no one greater than him. Jesus himself said, and he experienced that season of doubt. We will too. It's okay. What do you do with it? When in doubt... Get out. Amen? All right, so here's the question for those. I would say some people here today are experiencing a change of plans. Maybe some things have happened in your life that you weren't expecting, um, and you've allowed that doubt to creep in. And I would, I would say, as I said, push through it, go to Jesus. But there are some that will probably in a season right now where they're just kind of offended at God. And you're just taking a break right now from God. Can I ask you a question? Where else are you going to go? He has the answers to eternal life. Amen? When everybody was walking away from Jesus, he turns to his disciples and said, are you two going to leave me? And they, they had the right response. Where else are we going to go? You're my life. Right? You're the source of, of life, and I, I trust you. Even though I don't understand the plans, even when the plans change and I'm questioning certain things in life, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I do not ever want to get disgusted with or offended at God because I don't understand his sovereign plan. Amen? And so if you're there today, I would say repent of that offense because I promise you it's not on God's part. It's on ours. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We don't see the big plan. Usually it's on our part. And so for us to just come clean with God and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been offended at you because of what I walked through in life. I, I know. I know that you're in control. I know that you love me. I know you know where I'm at. I know that you care for me. Those are truths that I'm not going to give up for the unknown. Amen? So I'm going to push through this season of doubt. I'm going to come to the source, ask Jesus, and I am not going to be offended because of an offense that I take because my preconceived conclusion about what should have happened, God's plan for my life, was changed because I had these assumptions of how it would all turn out. God's the one that's in control, amen? So here's what I say. I say. Our faith, um, someone said, let your faith roar so loud that you can't hear what your doubt is saying. I like that because doubt's speaking, isn't it? The doubt's in our minds. is like, let your faith roar so loud that you can't hear what your doubt is saying. Rachel and I were in United yesterday, and I saw this lady wearing a sweatshirt, big letters on the back of it, and I love it. I was like, I love the message. Here's what it said. Your anxiety is lying to you. Isn't that great? Your anxiety is lying to you. I, I think that we hang out too long in, in doubt, then it leads to anxiety, and that anxiety tells you all kinds of lies. And that teacher, just a reminder to say, your anxiety is lying to you. Because there is a God. He is in control. He loves you. He knows. And while you may not understand the plan, he knows it perfectly. And our role is to just trust him with our lives. Amen? And so don't allow doubt, a doubt to knock you off course um, in this thing called life, this journey especially when the change comes in lives and the change of plans, because they will, trust him because he's trustworthy. Amen? So 
Let's pray. Father, we um, admit today that, God, we wrestle with this idea of doubt. We let this doubt creep in our hearts and our lives in seasons, especially in those seasons when circumstances beyond our control happen. Lord, we go into a marriage thinking it's going to be amazing and the plans change, uh, maybe of no fault of our own, but we find ourselves on the other end of it questioning, God, where, where are you at? Why? And when you begin to question who you are, your character, your will for us, and Lord, I know that's a dangerous place to be, but God, I think it's okay from time to time to wrestle with and to be uncertain about things, but in that uncertainty, in that doubt, to be able to go to the source to clear that up, to push through like you would push through that old nasty cobweb and just push through to faith and obedience and trust, knowing that even though we don't know what's going on around us, we, we know that there is someone who does, and we trust you with everything. God, I thank you for that example in John's life and how he shows us, uh, Lord, not to stay stuck in that doubt. But when we do experience it, we just need to move through it, get out and trust you, Lord, to guide us in our lives. Father, I know there are people here today that have been through some things, and Lord, some that will go through things. And I just ask that this be a reminder to them that in those moments, to not question you, but Lord, maybe we're processing the plans. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we had some um, unhealthy expectations, or maybe we had some assumptions that were just plain wrong. Lord, we expected you to tell us to turn right, and we turned left, and, and now we're sitting here wondering what's going on. God, I pray that you would just help us to be... Lord, more in tune with your, your direction and will for our lives. And, Lord, that we would just trust you no matter what. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're a reliable source to go to that's the author of all truth. Lord, I pray that we would never give up those things that we hold on to as truth, those things that we know for those things that we don't know. So, Lord, would you help us with that today? Would you help us to walk in faith and trust you um, even more today? And I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.